I remember uh, we were going to the fish market for the first time, me and my two sous chefs. And one of my sushi got stabbed by a fish. Why? Because stabbed by a fish. Because you have the, the the hawkers, the late the woman in the, the the fish market rule the world. So if they're holding a fish and they're just walking and you don't get out of the way, they're gonna slap you with a fish. I'm around 100 kilos of chocolate every single day, and more than 100 kilos of sugar every day. I'm a pastry chef, and sugar is my bread and butter, and jam and Nutella. But I've decided to take those layers off with my brand new show. I'm talking to fellow chefs, entrepreneurs, my friends, and mentors about the blood, sweat, and all the other ingredients that go into making it in the food industry. I'm Pooja Dingra, and you're listening to my podcast, No Sugar Coat. On this episode, I'm talking to Chef Kelvin Chung. Raised in the U.S., Kelvin has grown up working in a restaurant. He moved to Mumbai six years ago to run Ellipsis, and is currently the chef at my favorite restaurant, Bastion, Mumbai. When did we meet? Do you remember? We met according to, to your time hop five years ago, but I think it was longer than that. So I'm guessing six because we met almost. I want to say three or four months after I got to Bombay. Yeah, I, you came for that taste of Mumbai thing, and I met What you taste there. Of Mumbai thing? There was this thing. There was this event in um, somewhere in South Bombay, and I remember seeing you there. And I, you said, "Hey, come to the restaurant," and you were working at Ellipsis. Oh yeah. yeah. And then I came to Ellipsis, and I was like, "Wow, what yeah. is this food?" You remember that? Yeah, I was like, who's this weird guy? <laughs> yeah, and then I was there every week. Yeah, I was there like three times a week. That was the start of it. And um, I was Kelvin's like, um, how can I say this? Um, Little brother. Not yeah, little brother. Yes, but I was also your like, Kelvin. You cannot say this in public. You were my first filter. You <laughs> I, was, my, I was your first. You were first. My first filter for my introduction to social media. Yeah. So Kelvin would which, just post nonsense on Instagram, which, which I'm still getting shit on for sure. And and I would look at it and I would call him and be like, No, 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 no. Please take, take that. Take that. Down. <laughs> so I was his uh, his first filter. You were the first filter. So uh, tell me, how did you like? What made you come to Bombay, man? So Bombay was a, I don't want, I mean, it was just a weird series of events. Um, it started with uh, me somehow ending up being a teacher in culinary school, which again was very weird and very strange. Um, and then years later, uh, when I was opening my first restaurant on my own, again, just a weird series of events, I was uh, set to sign my lease. Um, I already had ordered my equipment. The menu was done. I started training and it fell through. And I literally had nothing to do. And one of my former students was a Bombay boy who was working on something that wasn't working out. Gave me a call, and it was a leap of faith, essentially. And the um, mm -hmm. six-month contracts now, what six and a half years later? Yeah, this always happens. You think you're coming for six months, and yeah. you're never leaving. And you're never leaving. <laughs> But so, do you remember the the first few months in Bombay? I remember talking to you and having these conversations about like yeah. life and how um, basic things were a struggle. It was like, terrible. Even like getting a taxi outside the restaurant. Yeah, I mean, you're thinking back of this is like pre uh, being able to order cars, pre Uber, pre social yeah. media times, right? So you were stuck with uh, black and yellows, and you were stuck yeah. with uh, not having a car, um, not knowing the language, not knowing the culture, not knowing how how to get around and solve these issues, right? So it was quite a battle. Um, we were with, I guess. Um, In our, our, our work circle, um, we had a couple of boys and girls who hadn't traveled the world as well. Um, mm -hmm. So that compounded the, 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 the difficulty of, of 
kind of navigating our way through Mumbai. Yeah, so you you come in, you come into this beautiful kitchen. I remember your kitchen and yeah. this was beautiful. Yeah. I was like, I can't believe you have such a big kitchen. And you had some crazy toys in there as well. Yeah, we were armed with um, pretty much everything we needed. I mean, said that the thing that we lacked was uh, the knowledge and um, what we needed to do to be successful in the market, mm-hmm. right? Um, we were told to do one thing and we just tried to excel at that. Um, we... We, meaning me and my couple sous chefs, um, who are all brought from abroad as well. We went to the markets at four in the morning. We went to the fish market every day. Um, we prepped for about eight hours and we would open for service and nobody would come. <laughs> and we couldn't figure out why. Uh, uh, but we were doing some cool food, right? Like, yeah. I mean, like we were doing like very intricate, very, um, I guess, forward food for the time. Um, plates with like 18, 19, 20 garnishes and doing all sorts of crazy things. Um, but... It just wasn't working. So uh, what was that like? Like, like you know, I, I know what it's like to, as a chef, I understand it. But like when you... Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's every chef's nightmare, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's First, it's frustrating because we've literally been up at that point. We've been working for almost like 17 hours just trying to prep and get everything ready. And then it gets kind of scary, right? Because then you're like, okay, what are we doing wrong? Like, is it because the food sucks? Is it yeah. because the service sucks? Is it because the drink sucks? Is it because the place sucks? Is it because we suck? Is it because <laughs> I suck? Um, and it's just one of those things, right? And then you have to kind of just dial in and just be like, no, I know this is good. Yeah. We have to figure out what's wrong. So. And what was that process like? It was almost, I think it took us nearly nine months before we were just like, you know what? This isn't working. Um, and we scrapped the whole thing. We destroyed the whole menu. We destroyed the service. We destroyed everything. And we built it over and started from bottom up. And just, you know what? Let's just do simple, honest, like yeah. f- tasty food. And then just like and I And cook. I think that what you guys managed to do really well was to actually change that thing. You know, like Bombay is such a place that once you have a reputation of something, to kind of break that and change that is nearly impossible right so even i remember going to the restaurant in the beginning and and you know it was just like oh it's too expensive or this you know there were like all these things because i went there the first time and you weren't even here and i still had those you know concepts in my head and then i met you and you're like hey no we've changed stuff come try it and i think that to give it everything because nine months is still a long time right when something that you're trying and is not doing well for nine months but still going at it I mean that's something that people need to understand as well that it's not easy you can't expect to just because you're out of culinary school and you have this great idea and you want to be a chef and you open a restaurant and that from day one it's going to be um, a success no 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 for sure not because I mean we were blessed with some strong talent right like one of my sous chefs um uh, worked in multiple three mission star restaurants so he was probably one of the strongest cooks that we had um like he worked at roca he worked at like like cellar um like these are good strong cooks so mm-hmm. the food was solid like it wasn't that we were doing anything wrong on our part yeah. um and that just like shows you right just yeah. just because you can cook or just because you want to do something doesn't mean it's going to work Mm-hmm. Um, it has to be the right idea. It has to be the right execution. Um, it has to be right for what people want. So. so what do you tell yourself? Like when it's really hard and when you are going through that, like what do you tell yourself to make it through those nine months or like to keep trying and not just be like, hey, this is just not working. I'm leaving. Pack up and go. I think that's the filter, right? There's a reason why first you get a small percentage of people who want to cook. Yeah. Then from that, you get a smaller percentage of people who actually can cook for a living. 
And then from that, you get an even smaller percentage of people who actually can cook, cook for a living and actually love it and still do it day in and day out and not give up. So it's a small, small percentage of the population who are essentially just crazy and stupid, <laughs> but we do it because we love it and we manage to thrive in these situations. Um, said being crazy and dumb, but we're also pretty damn stubborn, right? So yeah. we're going to do what we want to do. We're going to cook the way we want to cook and we just, you just pick yourself back up and you just keep cooking. So that always is just the fact that I believe in this as a product and I believe in what I'm doing. You have to believe in yourself, right? Yeah. And this, this isn't, this isn't just for cooking. Like you have to believe in the way you want to run your restaurant, the way you want to treat your staff, the way you want to treat people in life, the way you want to work, right? Um, it's an entire package. All the sacrifices that you make to cook, it has to come together in one piece, right? It can't be like fragmented. It has to be one belief, one thought, and like, like one, like one love, right? So. And and when you, I, I remember discussing these things with you, but like when you moved to Bombay and you say, for example, went to the fish market the first time, yeah, or when crazy. you went to find ingredients, like yeah, was what nuts. was that like for you? Like as an experience, as like, do you have certain like moments that you remember that were completely shocking or something that was completely exciting? Or- I mean, it's totally mind blown. It, it's first, it's a shock because I've never seen a fish market like that. I've never seen a vegetable market like that. Um, but it's also fun because it's 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 so chaotic, but it's so wild. Like I remember, uh, we were going to the fish market for the first time, me and my two sous chefs, and one of my sous chefs got stabbed by a fish. Why? Because stabbed by a fish? Because you have the, the the hawkers, the late the woman in the, the the fish market rule the world. That is their place. That is their thing. So if they're holding a fish and they're just walking and you don't get out of the way, they're gonna slap you with a fish. And one of them just got a fin like jabbed right through like right through his shoulder, and he was bleeding. And the lady was just like me, you know? And, yeah. And it wasn't even the foreigner who got stabbed. It was my local chef. It was my local sous chef who grew up here. Um, and he was just like, oh, okay. I guess I should move. Um, but just little things, right? Like seeing people like clean butcher fish on the floor. Um, how, how like the tools they were using um, and like seeing how uh, things were sold and auctioned. Um, and you go to this like vegetable market where there's like, literally tons and tons of these like crazy weird vegetables um the whole system like it just it's it's a complete shock right like it kind of in the chaos then you Mm -hmm. kind of see like the beauty of it yeah it's kind of it's kind of cool and what about like the flavor profile and these customers and you know in the in the beginning you have a smirk on your face (laughs) but like when you moved here you know you're from chicago and you've you've come to bombay now and um you know you have a certain style of cooking and a certain palette and you're thrown into this sort of jungle. What was that like? I think that was one of the keys to why we were able to thrive because we were just so stubborn in the fact that we were unwilling to bend yeah. and and change things just because people weren't understanding what we were trying to do. Um, you just train people. And it's a system, right? Um, because people were coming in not knowing what they were going to get and not really understanding the food. As long as you present it in a manner where it's not pretentious, um, it's not stuck up, um, you're not demeaning anyone, but you're presenting it so that it's comfortable, but still interesting and fun for them to try and learn. I think that's what worked, right? 
I mean, of course, you still get your people who wanted all of those weird, weird things that they were using. <laughs> and to. I'm very sorry. I once sent someone to Kelvin's restaurant, um, and the next day, Kelvin called me really angry, and I couldn't understand why. And then um, apparently, this person had asked Kelvin oh, yeah. <laughs> to, <laughs> to make him sushi. Yeah, uh, what best did he friend. Ask you? Uh, He's like, go make me sushi. You're Chinese, right? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, bro. <laughs> Sorry, we're not a Japanese restaurant. He's like, but what do you mean? He's like, you're Chinese. You can make me cook Chinese food, right? I'm like, yeah, it's not even Chinese food, dude. And he's like, no, but I want it. And I was like, yeah, it's not happening. Uh, and I kind of stormed off. Yeah. So did you deal with that a lot in the beginning about the kind of food you make and what people expected from you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, we were kind of categorized um, for, for, I guess, for who I was. Um, so people expected me to be able to make certain things for them and want certain things. And I think people were used to getting things like that. Um, mm -hmm. And we just weren't ready for it. Um, and it just, I didn't want to do it. And I just was like, sorry, dude. Like, it's just like this is the wrong place for you then. Um, you probably have to go somewhere else. Um, and But if you're willing to stay and you're willing to try my food, I guarantee you're going to enjoy it and you're going to love it. Yeah. And so then, and then you decided to leave Bombay. And I hosted a farewell party for <laughs> Kelvin. And I got 20 people to make a video saying, bye, Kelvin. We're going to miss you. We love you. That was awesome. And then in a month, he's like, hey, I'm coming back. <laughs> I was like, why did I do all this? <laughs> I mean, it shows uh, the, 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 the magic of India, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. we literally <laughs> packed up, moved, bought a new house, bought a new car, tried to run away. And within a month. Like yeah. right back here right so. yeah i felt like a fool <laughs> <laughs> i mean we had fun yeah yeah that pharaoh party was pretty yeah. good yeah so what was that decision like why did you decide to move and then what made you want to move back i mean because the project didn't work out so we thought it was time to move on and that the that we were on to the next chapter of our lives and apparently india wasn't finished with us either right so the yeah, opportunity you're never leaving yeah i mean <laughs> We'll see about that. Um, but the, the opportunity came up and it was a fantastic opportunity and we just jumped at it and yeah. came right back. And um, so I want to talk a little bit about how you've changed as a person from when you first moved here to now. Because um, when I met you six years ago, you were a very different person. I would say so. Would um, say so. Kelvin introduced me to something called the pickleback. Yeah. Which is a terrible thing. Kids, please don't have it. Um, it's basically a shot or of... Do. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shot of Jameson um, followed by pickle juice. It's delicious. Um, it's terrible. It's, it's so it's, good. Pooja loves it. No, if you ever see Pooja anywhere out, please buy her one and have one with her. She'll love it. She'll yeah, be your best friend. So, so that was Kelvin, you know, doing like um, dozens of picklebacks every night. Yeah. And, you know, and one of these things, you told me this this crazy story of your life back in Chicago and, um, you know, being mugged or getting into a fight or what you were like a gangster is what you told me. <laughs> so from that gangster phase, first talk about that and then we'll get to the... Um, I mean, I was just a bad kid, right? Like, I'm sure we all have our bad phases. So you grew up in, in where? You didn't so I was born in Toronto, Toronto, but I grew up in Chicago, mm -hmm. um, in Chinatown. Uh, and it was just a rough patch, right? Um and you've, you've grown up in, like, restaurants. It's always yeah. been a part of your... Yeah, I mean, that that was always inherently in the family. Um, my father is a restaurateur. Um, he's actually on his ninth restaurant. My grandfather had restaurants. Um, so we were born into it. Um, I started washing dishes for my dad when I was 12, and that was life. We would go to school in the morning and work at night, and that was every day. Um, but as things progressed, I guess, uh, I, I started being, I guess, your typical bad kid and got into some bad situations, mm -hmm. met some bad people and mm -hmm. um, 
had my phase, I guess. Yeah. Long phase. Long phase. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't your normal like year or two kind of thing. It was yeah. kind of more like a twelve yeah, year. Yeah, kind of I met thing. your friends. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so then this was back in Chicago. And then how did you? And then you went to culinary school. Yeah. Um, so I mean, aside from working full time in the restaurant, um, I did the proper kind of, I guess, Asian training. son training kind of thing. Um, I got my biology degree, um, was in med school and just got bored. Um, I quickly realized Wait, what? that you were in med school. Yeah. Uh, I was actually for being such a bad kid. I was actually not <laughs> stupid. Like I actually did pretty well in school. Um, actually did really well in school. Um, unlike me. Yes. But it was, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't difficult, right? Like I was actually getting straight A's and stuff, but I was just bored. Like I was like, damn, if I'm going to have to do this the rest of my life, I'm just not going to be happy. Like, what am I going to do? And the only time I was happy was in between school, after school, before school, when I was helping out the restaurant and cooking, that's when I was having so fun. So what was it about cooking that made you happy? Um, it's everything. It's the whole process, right? The transformation of, of prepping, of, of actually executing, of serving, um, feeding people. I think and it's all... Again, it's all, it's all in one package, right? Um, the entire thing, because I grew up in it, I think um, I fell in love with it. Like I saw what my father was able to do. I saw what my mother was able to do. Um, and I just knew it was part of me too. Like this is something that I was going to do. And so you went to school. So I went to school. Yeah. Um, I dropped out second year and I was just like, dad, listen, um, <laughs> yeah, this is not happening. And he... He gave me the talk. And this is this. be a doctor, man. Wow. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah, I'm still, still going to be cutting things, right? But um, different. Um, but yeah, we had the talk. And this is the same talk that I, when I, whenever I meet um, young chefs or young young kids, people who are thinking that they want, I sound like an old man, um, but who want to be a chef, uh, it's the same talk, right? Like it's, you really have to understand that if you want to be a cook, if you want to be a chef, it is going to encompass all of you. It's going to encompass your entire life. And that if you want to succeed, that is your life. Meaning no social life means friends probably won't understand why you can't hang out and drink every night with them. Um, it means zero to little family life. Um, so if you do want to have children, if you do plan on having a lifetime partner, they need mm -hmm. to understand that this is going to be your life. This is going to be your focus and it'll always kind of be your number one priority over everything. Yeah. That no sugar coat. <laughs> I mean, it's true, right? Like, I mean, like there's no bullshit. Like it, yeah. that's, that's, it's your life. Yes. Um, and if you're blessed enough to find someone who understand that and be with you for the ride, mm. it's a pretty fun, wild ride. Like it's, it's crazy. The things that we go through from the time we wake up yeah. to the time we close our eyes and still think about things and work on things. Yeah. It's some fun stuff. It's, yeah. it's, it's really like, it's, it's fun. And okay. So tell me one thing. Why do you hesitate? Like, I, I know that from the time I met you, you would always call yourself a cook and yeah. you really hesitate using the word chef. Yeah. So what is it between this cook and the chef and why are you so hesitant to use the word chef for yourself? I think first it's how I was trained. So I was always trained in the very old school French manner. Um, and for me, it's, I guess it's kind of like a reminder. Like I want to keep myself. So chef is when you, when you're at the top, like, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's like the, the, the main guy in the kitchen, the top, it's like really respect. It's not like a, you know, I, th I don't, it, it I, comes I don't, with like, um, years of experience and you're meant to be given this title of, of being chef. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to be given it. Right. I want to earn it. So it's like. I, I keep reminding myself. It's my it's my daily reminder. 
I think to to just remind myself of who and what I really am, um, and that I need to stay humble and just keep, put my head down, keep cooking. And I and I think that I, this will never change. I think if I remind myself this every day, um, this is how I'm going to be able to do this for the rest of my life. Like for the, I've been doing it for what almost thirty years now, yeah. and if I'm going to be doing it for another thirty years, um, if I can stay humble and just keep cooking the way I want to cook as a cook. Um, that's going to give me drive to do it. Yeah. So you can't think that you're the shit. <laughs> yeah, because we're not. We're always going to find a way to do something better. We're always going to like find ways to make things taste better. I mean, if there's a day when you're like, I'm the best, yeah, then you should probably stop because <laughs> you're just dumb and you have too much of an ego and you'll never grow anymore. Yeah. You know, like it's it's kind of one of those things that you have to stay focused, right? Like you're going to keep learning and you're going to keep changing and and keep growing every day, right? So from a uh, pickleback gangster Chicago to yeah to a really angry. to now um, what vegan gluten free wholesome thirty like what are you doing I don't even know you're not <laughs> eating anything <laughs> um, it's fun yeah. um, it's it's kind of it, it's 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 really fun looking back at the change that that's taken over the last couple of years um, and from, we have to thank Andrea for it yeah a lot of it um, thank you babe <laughs> um, yeah she's helped with a lot uh, she's helped put me on the right path I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it's a it's a fun change, right? Because I mean, I went from the very stereotypical cook who probably drank too much and had, to, had did a lot of drugs and did a lot of stupid things, um, eating unhealthy, um, not sleeping, not exercising, um, just being overall just an angry, angry person, not really nice, not really kind. Um, to hopefully a better person now. Um, uh, on was, my there was this incident you told me about about walking in and seeing one of your chefs who was yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of... That was the jumpstart to all of this. Um, so at the time, I would go home every six months um, for my break um, to see the family and whatnot. And I, on purpose, went to go visit some of my own first chefs, um, guys who pretty much taught me uh, for the better part of my career. And there was um, a couple of guys in particular, um, one in Toronto, um, who ran one of the busiest restaurants um, in Toronto. Uh, super good place, super fancy place. Uh, but I went to go see him about 30 minutes before service and I walk in, I'm talking to this guy who was, he's only five years older than me. So we're pretty much the same age. Um, but I noticed like, as I was talking to this guy for like 30 minutes, he was hunched over on a table and he just wasn't standing. And I was like, chef, like stand up. (laughs) And he's like, bro, I can't. I'm like, what do you mean? Um, it's just all the years of being so beat up from a kitchen and lack of exercise and lack of taking care of himself. His knees were shot, his back was shot, and he couldn't even stand up. And I was like, how are you going to run service, dude? And he's like, we just, just just do. And I, like, on my vacation, I got a bar stool, put it next to the expo station, took off his apron, put on his apron, and I ran service for him because the poor guy couldn't even stand up. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that guy. And then the sous chef from the time, uh, who was running his own uh, restaurant then, I went to go see him. And, I mean, the guy had put on, like, so much weight, he actually had to wear two aprons. And I've never been, I mean, a small kid myself, but I could still move. And this guy was maybe like eight feet away from me and I could hear him breathe. Like it was bad. And at the time he had like two kids who were like still two and three. And I'm like, you're my age and you can barely walk. You can barely breathe. How are you going to cook for the next 30, 40 years? And that was my thought process. That was like a wake up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm never gonna have a six pack, but I was thinking in my head, if I'm going to cook for, I mean, conservatively, another 25 years, if I don't start cleaning up 
some things, mm-hmm. if I don't start getting stronger, if I don't start getting healthier, like this is not going to happen. Like, I'm probably going to die in the next 10 years if I don't do this, right? Um, so that was uh, just about three, three and a half years ago. Um, I came back from my trip um, and really randomly I had a guest come in and it was just like, listen, there's this place down the street. Um, if you want to start exercising, come by. Um, and I was like, okay, I mean, I've never done it before, but <laughs> yeah, this was the CrossFit, CrossFit box. Yeah. yeah, yeah, down the street. Um, so I went in, I remember it was a three o'clock class. Um, and I walked in and there was no one in class. It was just three, like, I'm talking like proper aunties, like, like 47, <laughs> like 48 year old aunties. Um, hey, and I'm going to be 32. Okay. You're still far away. You're still far, far away. Um, but I was watching these ladies like warm up and one was like, in like a, like a full burka. One was like all like auntied out. And this lady like just jumped on the pull-up bar and was doing full pull-ups. And I was like, what the f- is going on and i try to do one push-up i couldn't even do a push-up and i'm like something's not right if i can't even do a push-up and this lady like this auntie is like just like killing it killing it like yeah. smashing pull-ups and i'm like all right something's not right here so then i did the workout um which was a, a again a very terrible um coincidence but it's called friend um it's one of the hero workouts used to judge your how far along you've come and i threw up twice wow. and this is like a, like a 12 minute workout. I threw up twice in 12 minutes. Jesus. Um, but then afterwards, like these ladies were just going and I'm like, all right, I'm going <laughs> to fix this. And I just kind of threw myself into it. Yeah. Um, went, started working out every day. And this was what, like five years, four years? No, ago? not even. It was about three and a half years ago. Three and a half. Like, yeah. No, yeah. it was. So I remember this clearly because you had just started exercising and getting fit and we went to Croatia. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah four years ago. Oh, it was four years ago then. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Four years ago. And we were, so <laughs> we're in this boat and we park it. Like it's, what it was a boat? Like what it was like, it was almost like a, it was, I wouldn't call it a boat. Yeah. It was a little bit bigger. It was more like a yacht. Yeah. <laughs> and we parked it somewhere and we went to have lunch. It's just the four of us. And yeah. we get in and we're stuck on the rocks. Yeah. And suddenly this boat is this yacht, whatever. It's not moving. And Kelvin just like, takes a shirt off and he just jumps in the water <laughs> and then two minutes later he's like I see him with like one hand he's pulling the ball and he's swimming and he literally got us out of the rocks and was like what happened from like not being able to do one push up to suddenly rescuing all of us so that, yeah. so that, that goes with the same mindset of a cook I think that's why it was so perfect for me to do this because I'm just stubborn so yeah. if you come in and tell me, okay, look, you have 10 minutes and you got to do 500 push-ups, you got to do a thousand pull-ups, I'm going to kill myself trying to do it. And I would just set myself up and I would do it and do it and do it. Um, and it's that unwavering stubbornness, right? Yeah. Uh, that kind of, kind of made it, made it work. So now what do you do? You're like on this whole clean eating plan. Do you like, what do you, because I know you, you love your cheat meals. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so what, what's fun now is that because... I've been through this whole process um, because we've started these meal plans um, that we that we serve people um, whole and then some. Um, I've understood what and how to control my body and what to feed it, how to change the diet, um, how to work out, um, what things work, what things don't work. Um, so I'm able to. I mean, I, I don't even. It's not really a cheat meal anymore, right? Yeah. If, if if someone comes over and there's pizza and I want it, I'll eat it. If there is yeah. chocolate and I want it, I'll eat it. Um, but for the most part, I've understood now that as long as you're good 95% of the time, whenever you want to indulge, whenever you want to do it's balance and you shouldn't restrict yourself, um, and allow myself to have it, you know, is that tough in the kitchen? Because I know like, I, I, I find it 
like I'm not eating sugar, you know that. Yeah, so yeah. It's it sucks. Like, <laughs> it's the hardest thing in the world. Like I'm around it every single day and for me i'm like waiting for that day when it gets easier everybody's like <laughs> it yeah it's gonna get easy it it's like not. running okay when i started running yeah. everyone's like oh running so meditative there's it reaches a point where no, you're a in a trance and i'm like no, no. this sucks no this that's a lie terrible. It's, it's horrible it's always gonna be terrible yeah. and when does it get better it does not no. um it does not um, but it's just understanding that life's about balance. So it's and just discipline more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, you just got to set yourself. You'd be like, listen, you're not supposed to have this. You're not supposed to do this. And you're supposed to have this. And you just do it, right? Um, it's not going to be amazing. Because, I mean, things like having like sugar and whatnot, it's, yeah. I mean, it's delicious. You know what I mean, it's, it's terrible for you. It is, yeah. It's very terrible for you. you no, probably don't, say not be don't, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go out of business, okay? We like edit this part. It's, it's just tough, right? It's one of those things. And again, it's just balance, right? No. I mean, if you want it, have it. And then be good for a couple of days and have it again. And so one of the things that I also, you know, give credit to you for, and then I remember like, cause you know, low 15 was also very young and you had just moved here. And then we started hanging out and we realized that, Hey, a lot of people from the industry don't really hang out. And you started this um, <laughs> chef's night, which yeah. we shouldn't talk about in public. The night that but, should not be talked about. <laughs> but yeah, so you were kind of instrumental in getting that, you know, like getting everybody together. And, you know, we now have this WhatsApp group yeah. um, that, <laughs> that you've been kicked out of. Yeah, I've been excommunicated from my own WhatsApp group. Has that even happened? Like who, who's on, who starts a group himself and gets kicked out himself? Uh, yeah. I don't think we can go there. But, um, well, I mean, so what, like, what was that like in the beginning? Was it like, a, a, you know, cause you said like it, cooking is always like a fraternity everywhere. Yeah. It, and it's, um, it was one of those things, right? I mean, I've cooked in a lot of places in the world and everywhere I've cooked. One of the best parts of doing this is that you have this group of people of similar minds, of similar skill sets, of similar hearts. And we always take care of each other. And that's always been the rule across the world throughout the whole industry. I don't care if you're a dishwasher. I don't care if you're a valet person. I don't care if you're a hostess, if you're a host, if you're a cook, if you're a chef. Across the board, in our industry, we always took care of each other. We always showed love for each other. And we hung out. Like That was one of the perks. Like in Chicago, every single night, we would go to this shithole bar at like two in the morning get smashed and eat some really shitty terrible street food and go home and do it all over again and that was one of the best parts of being a cook um coming to bombay i couldn't understand i was just like why does no one like why is puja my only friend (laughs) (laughs) why does no one like me like i don't get it and finally i was like you know what like i'm gonna stop this um so i created this email chain first because it was pre kind of before the messaging kind of thing was was huge um and i was like listen i'm gonna invite every chef that i know of um who wasn't everyone um i'm sorry if i didn't invite you um (laughs) but I invited whoever I knew and I said, had a set of rules and the set of rules were very simple. I was like, everyone's bringing food. Everyone's bringing their own alcohol, whatever you want to drink. Um, you're not allowed to talk about work and you're not allowed to drink by yourself. And the last rule was that you have to drink when I tell you to drink. <laughs> <laughs> that is a bad rule. <laughs> it was a fantastic rule. Um, but all these chefs came together. We hung out at the house. Um, and it's tr- a great night. It turned into an epic night. An epic, epic night. Uh, and after that, there was just this, it just broke all the barriers down and everyone was just a family. Like it was, yeah. it was perfect. It was the perfect way to get it going. Yeah. And I think that it's so amazing, right? Because now whenever you need help, you just 
um, reach out and be like, hey, I'm out yeah. of this ingredient or where can I find this? And it just feels like somebody's got your back. And it's, Yeah, it's, that's how it should be, right? Yeah. So what is the plan now for the future? What's happening with you? Will you tell me without being cryptic? Because you're always <laughs> like, oh, something's up. I can't tell you. <laughs> it's one of those things, right? I mean, I just hate to say it, but I mean, it's one of the things I grew up being kind of, I don't want to like ruin Jinxist, it or jinx yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but we are working on a couple projects. Um, one pretty big one. Uh, Where? Who? Huh? What? I mean, who cares? It's me cooking, right? I mean, that's not, that's not the important thing, okay, right? Okay, so Bombay? Is uh, it Bombay? We'll see. No, Kelvin, come on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Um, you'll hear about it very soon, though. Um, there is going to be a lot of stuff. I mean, that's the thing. I I, I think now that um, Bastion and One Street have been pretty much... Yeah. Um, they're both doing well, knock on wood. Um they they're kind of set without you. Then. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've had the same staff since I came here. Um, they've all been trained into the system. They've all been trained into the recipes. They were trained with the styles, the food, the service, the drinks, um, and things are how I want it. Um, so I'm pretty happy with that. Um, but it also gives me the freedom to get ready for these next projects, which you're not going to tell me about. Which you'll hear about on Pooja's Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so at least I get. I get first. Uh, first dibs? Yeah. I'll have to sell you those. Those are, gonna be, <laughs> those are worth a lot of money now. Yeah. So, um, and for yourself, like this is what you're doing now and this is what is, you know, in the pipeline now. But for yourself, what is like, you know, we all have that one big dream or one like, this is what I want to achieve with my life. What is um, that you think of? That, that, that's changed, right? I mean, when you're a baby cook, I mean, you always have these dreams of uh, having your own restaurant and being whatever, doing, being this big chef, et cetera, et cetera. Um, for me now, um, my probably dream is essentially having a restaurant, I guess, um, of my own. Um, what kind of restaurant? So that's the thing, right? Because I, even my food's changed. Now, for me, I'm just happy being able to cook when I want to cook. Um, I... Doubt, but I'm not saying no. Um, I'm not sure I'll ever delve back into these, uh, this ultra fine dining, tasting menu kind of vibe kind of restaurants anymore. Um, I did it for the beginning of my career. Um, and I just want to cook now. So it has to be a place where I have the freedom to change and cook whatever I want and serve people almost like who I want to see and feed every day. And that's it. Like it's pretty simple. I want to be able to cook when I want to cook and take care of my family and, do that as well, right? That's a big part And you of it. want a, a football team. I do want a football team. So, <laughs> so Andrea, so you guys better get working. <laughs> First one is on its way. First one is on its way. Right. Seven weeks away. It's crazy. It's so, really crazy. So by the time this is out, I would have been an auntie. So now I'm officially an auntie. She isn't officially an auntie. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And is there any advice that you'd like to give young chefs or cooks who are, you know, just about starting? What would your final word to them be? Um... There's a couple simple things that you have to remember as a uh, fledgling baby cook, baby chef. Um, I would say first, you'll have to just put your head down. Um, don't be afraid of doing extra work. Um, keep cooking. Um, find a chef. Find someone who will kick your ass and beat <laughs> into you how to cook properly. Um, and stay humble. Um, and just be patient. It takes time. It, it, there's no um, quick way or quick fix to becoming a chef. It just takes experience and it takes time and it takes everything and all of you to cook. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. That was Chef Kelvin on No Sugar Coat. Come back next week to check out my chat with Chef Pratik Sadhu. 
He talks about being a refugee in Kashmir and how food became an important connection to his homeland, as well as his biggest hurdle starting a restaurant when everyone said he would fail. No Sugarcoat is a Made in India production. This episode is produced by Sharanya Subramanian, edited by Soundman. Studio setup by Apoorv Isaac, aka Lala. Sound equipment by Artist Studios. Our theme music is Rhythm Maker by the band Haiku. For more information, check out madeinindia.in.